Presented by Kamuk Ukulele Magazine, this is Ukulele Stories. This episode is brought to you by Kamuk. Founded in Sydney, Australia in 2011, Kamuk is a magazine produced by ukulele players for ukulele players. Comprising 12 collectible hard copy issues and a 100% free website, Kamuk offers an entertaining mix of features, interviews, reviews, playing tips and historical articles. And don't forget to browse the online store where you'll find our best-selling ukulele earrings as well as PhD strings and other great items. Check out Kamuk.com today. Hello, Cameron Murray here with another episode of Ukulele Stories. Erin Harrington, aka Miss Elm, is a singer-songwriter from Brisbane, Australia. Since taking up the ukulele a few years ago, she's been developing her sound and popping up at uke festivals all over the country, which is how we met. She's also the brains behind the Ukulele Rockers, a music school that aims to educate and inspire. Okay, let's get into it. Hey Erin, welcome to Ukulele Stories. Hello. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good. I, I did do a show last night, so I must say I'm a little bit croaky than I usually am on a Saturday morning, but other than that, I'm great. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for speaking to me. Um, we've known each other, I was thinking about it, maybe two or three years, I guess, on and off, just through Uke Fests in Australia. And a couple of weeks ago, I led a masterclass in strumming for the Ukulele Rockers. Let's start there. What is the Ukulele Rockers? So the Ukulele Rockers was created in COVID times in, I suppose, the end of 2019, early 2020. I wanted to run my own ukulele school because I was finding there was a lot of noise online with ukulele. It seemed like there was a lot of people who were doing great things with ukulele teaching and education, but a lot of people were sort of wanting to start that entry point in a really simple way. So I started teaching and running group classes at a, uh, a church hall and then with COVID developed an online uh, online courses and programs which then uh, evolved into this beautiful thing that is the Master Club which is online workshops uh, every single month where I get to work with other ukulele educators, artists and music professionals to help people learn how to be better at music and art. Great, fantastic. Let's go back to the beginning then. What's what's your earliest musical memory? Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, an easy question. That one is probably when I was about four or five years old. My father was a jazz musician and he had all these weird and wonderful instruments lying around the house. So I used to go around the house and just kind of explore and see what they sounded like and try and make songs on them when I was a very little girl. And one day he had a tuba lying on the ground and I figured out how to make some notes on it. And then I figured out how to play hot cross buns on the tuba. <laughs> so he was pretty impressed, but it, it was, it's, yeah, that was basically most of my childhood, just experimenting with sounds and music. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's a big theme with most musicians, isn't it? That there's always some sort of lineage, like my dad plays guitar and there always seems to be some kind of family connection or a lot of the time anyway. Yeah. And I mean, my parents were very passionate about nurturing the arts and my, I suppose, development in that. So I'm very lucky. I had a lot of opportunities where I could develop my skills and, you know, learn all those things where, you know, some other people may have missed out. Mm. Well, how long have you been playing music then? So 
from hot cross buns on the tuba to yeah. actually thinking I'm gonna dedicate myself to music in some way? Again, a really hard question because I mean, I was actually trained on classical violin for eight to 10 years before I did ukulele. <laughs> but I suppose as far as a professional musician goes, I did a music degree um, when I was 18, 19. So that's when I started performing live and writing songs and going under the name of Miss Elm <laughs> as an artist on the keyboard with a band. So let's probably say 10 plus years. <laughs> Do you still play the violin? I don't actually. Yeah, the ukulele definitely took over the space of most of my other instruments. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's jump to that question then. How did you get into the ukulele? So I was working in a music store, if anyone knows in Brisbane called Morris Brothers, they're amazing. They had stocked ukuleles and they sort of got on the, the tail end of the ukulele boom that happened. There was all of a sudden, there was a bit of a ukulele boom around the world. So they started stocking all these weird and wonderful ukuleles. And I thought, well, I've never seen a ukulele look like that or sound like that. I thought it was just like this little colored thing that you'd get from, you know, the toy store or whatever. <laughs> and yeah, I just fell in love with the sound of it. It was particularly the six string tenor ukulele that I saw on the wall. And I just kept playing when I was meant to be working. <laughs> <laughs> and I ended up buying it and writing my first songs on it. And after that, I was sold. I just thought this is the most beautiful thing. And I can do so many things on it and create so many different emotions with this instrument. I'm going to expand. And then I bought a baritone ukulele and then a resonator ukulele. And, you know, now I've got like 10 ukuleles. <laughs> well, you're in good company there because uh, perhaps the greatest ever jazz ukulele player, Lyle Ritz. That's how he got into ukulele. He was a professional studio musician with this, wow. this group called the Wrecking Crew who worked with uh, Elvis, the Beach Boys, and just about everyone in the 60s. And he actually worked in a, a music shop at that time. So he was kind of in the second wave of ukulele when it was kind of becoming a, a bit of a thing in the 60s. And he had to uh, demonstrate baritone uke mainly to uh, customers. And that's how he kind of got into ukulele as well. Oh my gosh, it's so, like fate. It's yeah, so very good company. So what what do you like most about the youth? I think the diversity and the accessibility, really, because it really can be so many things in so many different genres, you know, like you've got the beautiful Spanish flamenco sound on the ukulele, you've got the Hawaiian sound on the ukulele, the, the jazz, the folk, like the sort of Americana sound even, um, you know, with some of the banjolele stuff and it's so uh, diverse and that's something that you don't get on a lot of instruments um, like obviously you can play a lot of different sounds on an instrument but to have one instrument in so many different forms is very interesting so you never really get bored and then there's also the accessibility whereas it's only four strings so you can play so many chords from the beginning and feel like you're actually getting somewhere an instrument as a teacher that's a very easy thing to do so you don't have to sort of push people up the hill so much when they're just starting out and don't get discouraged as easily so you're obviously a passionate teacher as well as a performer where does that come from or or are you like a lot of well ukulele players and musicians who kind of just feel like you have to teach as well as perform no i i definitely chose to teach um I definitely wouldn't be doing it if I didn't love it. I think, um, well, my mother was a teacher, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> a music teacher? Uh, no, she was a English and drama teacher. But I just love sharing my knowledge and seeing other people 
grow and there's something really special about particularly in one-on-one um sessions seeing someone just trust you with their vulnerability when they're starting something for the new for the first time and you know particularly with adults i just find it so fascinating seeing how many reactions you get from someone failing because yeah you're going to do it when you're starting out right but as a teacher it's just a really you know it's an honor to see that and to nurture someone in their first steps on something and then you know basically teach them to the point where they don't need to be taught anymore it's it's really special <laughs> i totally agree uh, i started teaching in about 2004 four I think it was and from there you know my former students have formed youth clubs and now they teach people and it's it's, it's so cool uh what sort of instrument uh, are you playing at the moment then what's your kind of go-to uke this is also a hard question <laughs> I have different ukuleles for different functions so there's one ukulele that I will teach on when I'm doing beginner because it's you know only got four strings <laughs> and then there's the resonator ukulele that I use at workshops because it's the loudest one unplugged but I have been playing the baritone ukulele a lot because it's been winter lately and that kind of nice warm feeling of the baritone ukulele like on my on my my body when I'm playing is just sort of comforting <laughs> Um, so I think that's probably the one I've been writing the most songs on lately, the baritone, just because of its really beautiful depth and um, jazz sounds, because I think at heart I'm always going to be a bit of a jazz singer. <laughs> what about Brisbane then? What, how's the uke scene in Brisbane these days? So for listeners who don't know, I'm in Sydney and you're in Brisbane, which is uh, just up the road a bit. I was, I was on a tour with Daniel Ho and we were going around the country basically and we had one stop with the the bums the brisbane ukulele musician society <laughs> yeah. uh in brisbane um, which is a fantastic gig it was actually probably one of the best ones of that tour and i know they're very passionate about there and they have their the spruik ukulele festival which is their own yes. festival uh so how is it over there at the moment and how has it kind of evolved since you've been uh, involved with it they have always been so passionate and particularly supportive to me in my career, which has been amazing. I definitely wouldn't be doing the things I am now without bums. <laughs> when I first started out as a just a solo artist on the ukulele, they used to have me at their jam nights and spruik all my CDs for them. And, and, you know, I felt a bit like a rock star and it was only like at the bowls club, you know. <laughs> but yeah, bums, they've definitely evolved. I mean, from starting out, just having you know a couple of people at two locations there's about four or five different locations around Brisbane that meet monthly now and they have got you know ongoing workshops they're always trying to get in different performers to come and work with them as well and Spruik this year was the biggest one so far being in King George Square which they managed to pull off as well as having a giant tv screen in front of the city hall with all of the ukulele players on it and i thought that was amazing because just bringing awareness to brisbane of who we are and what we do is it's so important because it's brought a lot of joy to a lot of people who would i suppose maybe feel a little bit disconnected from society because you know a lot of the members are sort of retirees and it just gives them a place to belong and to be involved in something fun and joyful and i think it's yeah it's just really beautiful <laughs> Um, you've also recently done a big festival here called Splendor in the Grass, which was kind of uh, rained out and became Splendor in the Mud. Really? But you, 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 you know, you're, you're, so you're, you're trying to spread the ukulele gospel, I guess, wider than the ukulele community that already exists. So is that yeah. sort of part of your, your mission or why would you want to do that? Well, I think we've got something really special. We're so approachable. You don't really feel 
you know, at any festival, like you can really go up to any ukulele artist and sort of just talk to them and chat to them. Most of them are quite down to earth. And yeah, as I said, you don't sort of feel like you're not good enough. Whereas in other you know, places, it feels like there's a bit of a wall between, you know, people who like watching and the people who play. <laughs> Whereas ukulele is always about the community and the spirit of joining in and connecting. And I think that's something that the world needs more of right now. Yeah, absolutely. There's just less ego, isn't there, involved with ukulele. As someone once said to me, you don't see guitar clubs. Maybe it is just the approachability of the instrument because it's not intimidating. Well, honestly, most people, they still laugh at me when I say, you know, I run a ukulele business. (laughs) Me too. And, you know, I think that's kind of part of being the ukulele artist is you can't really take yourself too seriously. <laughs> yeah. And in some ways, that's the strength of ours or, or for the scene itself, because you can kind of slide in under the radar a little bit. Yeah, like the underdogs. Yeah, exactly. Everyone loves an underdog. Um, let's talk about your, your music then, because you, you have actually put out quite a lot of original music. Uh, when did you start doing that? And uh, how has that evolved really because i mean have you gone from kind of doing studio stuff to recording at home how have you um, approached it uh i think the music itself has evolved a lot because i actually started on piano and that was a very different sound to what it is now i think with the ukulele my my music has become a lot more grounded and folk earthy based i suppose um but it just it brought out a different part of me that didn't have to try so hard, I suppose. So yeah, I went from having a four-piece band, which was consisting of piano, melodica, drums, and electric guitar, to then just having ukuleles and using a live looping pedal with ukuleles. So, you know, that was a really fun thing for me to push myself and experiment on how I could create different sounds with just a loop pedal and some ukuleles. I got inspired by uh, James Hill, the video that he did of, I think, Billy Jean um, and how he was using the different parts of his ukulele to make the percussion sounds. And I thought, ah, oh, I can try that on loop pedal. So then, yeah, I, I did that and then those songs became recordings. And in the last two years, I released a EP and three singles, I think, um, that are all specifically ukulele apart from one song. It's just collaborating with some other artists. So. Yeah, it's gone from folk music to pop music to now jazz, funk, uh, folk, neo-soul, <laughs> if that makes any sense. <laughs> I, I kind yeah. of get, sometimes get annoyed with labelling music. It's, you know, it's yeah. just music. It's, so hard. So, it's such a hard question to answer, isn't it, when someone says, well, what kind of music do you play? And it's like, well, I don't know. It's just music yeah. it comes to me. And I mean, <laughs> my influences change depending on my experiences in life and you know, who I'm listening to as well. I used to listen to artists like Ella Fitzgerald and, you know, Kate Miller-Heidke and Regina Spector. And now I listen to Aurora and Vera Blue and um, London Grammar and bands like that. So my production sounds move towards that. And just to answer your question quickly from before, yes, we went from full-blown studios. It'd be like $1,000 a day to doing the whole song on a laptop with one microphone and just my ukuleles. And it sounds almost exactly the same with technology. It's amazing. So much more affordable these days. <laughs> it is. And I often talk about this with other guests, sort of the double-edged sword of it, that it is so accessible and it is easy to do. But it's not easy because you have to learn how to do it all, first of all. Exactly. It may not have cost a thousand dollars in the studio, but it cost you a thousand hours of your time to actually mm. figure out how to do things properly. But then again, 
it just gives you so much exposure things like streaming and things even though they're not revenue makers well as i just said i think i feel a bit mixed about it because there is the accessibility factor which is amazing you know i've had my songs get picked up by a german radio station and you know get streamed over there and be played in the uk in places i would have never have imagined if i was just in australia the other side of it is that yes the money factor is is very hard because it's taking a lot of time to produce these things at a certain level but people don't value it because they're not paying money for it that's why going to shows is so important because that's where we get to connect with people and they start valuing and actually paying for things but you know as a society we definitely don't pay our artists enough for the services we do and that's another reason why i teach because if i wasn't teaching then i would have had to have a day job but that way i can do both things that i love so i've been very lucky in that way yeah it's not a an easy answer to that is there really yeah. apart from touring as much as you can and, and playing as many shows as you can do you enjoy touring do you enjoy playing shows more more so than than doing sort of teaching or in studio stuff I think it's a balance. If I was doing just one of those things all the time, I wouldn't enjoy it. So touring gives me inspiration to write songs and feel energized. And I also get to connect with new people and share my love of ukulele. And then teaching, you know, I get to pay it forward and create a legacy in all my students um, in doing that, which then makes it that much more special because they're looking up to me as an artist and seeing how it's, you know, it can be possible. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's a balance of both. If I was just touring, I would probably be sick of it <laughs> um, with the not having my own bed and, you know, real home cooked meals and stuff like that. But I love connecting with people and seeing new places like you know, Splendor in the Grass. That was an experience in itself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you never know when you play live how a song will connect with people. Because obviously, if you're just putting it out on streaming, you, you never meet the people. But uh, yeah, it's happened to me a few times where people come up to you after a gig and say, well, that song really meant this much to me because of this factor. And it's something you can't plan for. And, you know, you didn't write it for them. You just wrote it for you, really. I mean, that, that's music, I guess, isn't it? It's so beautiful, though. If you think about it, you know, those songs, they sort of don't belong to you anymore when someone else has heard it. And I just want to add to what you were saying, when I have done songs in the past i've heard them a million times right but it's so special seeing someone hear it for the first time and see their reaction which then i think just gives back to being the magic of live performance and and why why i perform <laughs> yeah. yeah it's badly paid as it is it's probably still the best job in the world yeah agree <laughs> <laughs> okay well i think i've just got one final question and that is who are you your ukulele idols Oh, wow. Um, well, you're actually one of them. <laughs> oh, well. Because, <really. laughs> um, as you said, I've, I've sort of known you for a little while and seeing you play at festivals has been pretty amazing. I remember Blue Mountains Festival, I think, when I first saw you on stage doing your crazy fast strumming. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, obviously, James Hill, he was one of the first people who got me into the idea that I could make ukulele a career. Um, so homage to him, as well as um, I can never pronounce her name. The Hawaiian lady who plays really fast strumming, Tikamine. Tamane? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to say it wrong. She's amazing. She uh, is so inspiring with what she has done on bringing ukulele to a world market. And, you know, also Danielle ate the sandwich. She's one of my idols. Having her created on YouTube as a songwriter with ukulele has been just amazing watching that journey. <laughs> 
Yeah, we, we need to get more female artists playing ukuleles, I think. When I was doing the magazine, I wanted to get more and more female voices into it, but there just weren't enough. So you're, you're doing good work out there. Oh, thank you. That's, <laughs> that's really great to hear. Yeah, it'd be so cool to have us all in the same room doing something special, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe we could create some kind of online female ukulele showcase or something. <laughs> anyway. Let's, let's put that aside for now. But uh, actually, that wasn't the last question because we sort of talking off air about your stage name, Miss Elm. So yes. why Miss Elm? So in all like simplicity, it's basically my initials. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> it's not really a great deal of reason behind it. I actually had a different name that I first started out, which was Erin Louise. But then this other artist at the time called Emma Louise then became a, a hit and everyone thought that I was Emma Louise because we had very similar voices. And yeah, so I got a bit annoyed about that. So I changed my name to Miss Elm. I've always been very passionate about nature and sustainability. So, you know, Elm being the tree was kind of a bit of a factor of, you know, coming from my roots of my name and, you know, owning that and, uh, you know, ended up being a teacher. So Miss, I suppose it works out. <laughs> it does. Yeah. yeah. I like the logic. Thank you very much for chatting with me. And, you know, whether it's Erin or Miss Elm, we look forward to seeing what you do next. And uh, hopefully we can catch up soon at a festival somewhere. I'll put uh, all the links in the, the description as well for the ukulele rockers and anything else you'd like to promote. Amazing. Thanks, Erin. Thank you. Bye. Well, that was fun. You can find out more about Erin's uke school at go.theukulelerockers.com. And you can support her music at misselm.bandcamp.com. Please subscribe to Ukulele Stories and consider giving it a rating if you're enjoying it. To take us out, here's Miss Elm with an original called Pippi Long. Until next time, I wish you lots of luck and happy uking. Touch it.